customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Good morning, Swim World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, March 2nd. I'm J.E. Skeets rolling this morning with my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. hey Hey, hey yo. yo, we got the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm, and last but not least, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. I actually sort of want to go and change into a turtleneck and blazer right now. Man, that's a catchy little jam, isn't it? Good <laughs> oh, luck, so too. Catchy. The sophistication. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Back to our normal... 10 a.m. shift. Uh, we were filling in for Bob, who uh, you know had to leave work early yesterday, so we had to get in, get to work in the classic factory. Uh, please like, comment, subscribe. I also got a kick out of everyone dropping beans uh, under yesterday's show in the Love comment it. section. Yeah, great work, everyone. Uh, keep at it. Maybe we'll. Um, Maybe we'll just sort of get into this thing where we have like a word a day. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it happens organically. But I did enjoy everyone putting beans. Because what were those, the Whole Foods uh, 365 beans? They hit a little different. That's right, yeah. Lily? Yeah. We could do uh, a different bean a day, you know? You got your chickpeas, you got your kidney beans, you got your dark beans, you got your black-eyed peas. I mean, we can go on and on uh, and on. Sounds so- like a Forrest Gump bit, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. The NBA has like their NBA Green Week. I don't know if they still do it. We could have our No Dunks Bean Week. Yeah. Sure. Okay. yeah. I love it. I'm loving it. All right. Well, what bean do you want in the comments section today, Lee? You Give pick. me some red kidney beans. I think they're the best ones. I think they've got the great most bean. flavor. Uh, really? Yeah, I think they're Ugh. great. I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you I want mean, as everybody... a standalone bean, JD, as a standalone bean, I'm not talking any garnishments with it there. Mm. Red Garnish. bean. 
Yeah. Just a straight you, red bean. You talk about food so oddly. Uh, just like your terms for food is weird. Uh, okay, so drop red kidney bean in the comment section today. Because it's, it's No Dogs Bean Week here. Yeah. I, I didn't know it at it's first. But, this is great. Yeah. Um, email us your questions and comments for tomorrow's Beach Steppin' Podcast. Uh, email them at nodunksattheathletic.com or you can leave them in the YouTube comments or you can tweet them in at no dunks inc and uh, finally here guys immaculate items always available for sale over at nodunks.com i think we sort of got to work on a bean shirt now right oh boy oh boy beans are back i think we have to (laughs) okay so we'll get to last night's games uh we'll touch on those uh in a second but we had some news some big news uh yesterday the atlanta hawks fired head coach lloyd pierce uh on monday since taking over in 2018, Pierce compiled an overall record of 63 and 120. Um, entering this season with high aspirations, you know, playoff aspirations, Hawks got off to a 14 and 20 start, so not great. Which I guess was enough for ATL management to justify Pierce's removal. Nate McMillan sliding over; he's going to uh, be their interim head coach at least, probably for the rest of the season. We'll see in the off season where they go from there. But the question is, how shocked? Lee, were you by the Hawks' decision here um, to fire Lloyd Pierce before the All-Star break? Disappointed more than shocked. I think this is a classic scapegoat move, to be honest. A diversion technique from Travis Schlenk. The Hawks did uh, get off to a good start at 4-1, and one, and this was the season they were supposed to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the first two seasons under Pierce were kind of considered, you know, rebuilding, sort of developing years. So I think he was not really expected to make the playoffs as such, even though teams always want to make the playoffs. Uh, They needed help, though, on both ends of the floor, mainly on defense, because according to NBA.com, they're 23rd in D right now. They were 28th in the last two seasons under Pierce. So Mm -hmm. uh, what did Travis Schlenk do in the offseason to uh, help the defense? Danilo Gallinari, 32-year-old, never known for his defense. Rondo hasn't played defense for years, even admitted when he was still in Boston he stopped trying on defense. Solomon Hill, okay, Defense, no thanks. Chris Dunn was supposed to be some sort of defensive backcourt help. He hasn't even played. But you know what? Chris Dunn never plays. So they should have known that as well. No, but, he, but it's true. I mean, you know. Man, the he's greatest, got firing beans here this morning. Well, it. the greatest ability is availability, and he just doesn't play, yeah. you know. So, I mean, you got to know that when you're signing these guys. And then, of course, Bogdanovich came in now. That was a good signing, fair enough, but he's an offensive player, not really known for his defense. So, you know, based on those moves... And but look, what about like, Clint Capella the year before? Okay, Clint yep. Capella, he got him. He's a, he's a good defensive player, okay? One decent defensive player. But And look, DeAndre Hunt has been injured as well right mm-hmm. now. Uh, Cam Reddish has been injured. Again, injuries happen to every team, so that's no excuse. And DeAndre Hunter was actually having a very good season, so uh, he could be out a while. I'm not sure exactly when he's back here. But... You know, where was the improvement going to come from there um, in, in for, for the Hawks, for the defensive end? Uh, now, Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce has to take some responsibility for the way they executed in late games, and especially in the fourth quarter. They were the worst uh, fourth quarter team uh, um, this season and the worst uh, net rating at minus 8.2. Okay, so that's part of that falls on coaching. And we saw last week against the Cavs a wide-open dunk to lose a game. That's That's poor. That's poor defense, poor communication. Okay, so some of the blame falls on him there. But... We always hear how GMs, when they come in, you know, they want their own guy. Well, he got his own guy in Lloyd Pierce, and he gave him two seasons to basically, you know, not necessarily uh, have this team in the playoffs. And then he goes 34 games, and it's like, you should be in the playoffs when you've got, again, as I pointed out, mm-hmm. a lot of injuries to some of your younger players, not a very good, uh, the veterans that he brought in were just not good signings at all. 
and the Hawks are struggling. And so I think more of this should fall on the front office and their decisions rather than should for Lloyd Pierce. Greg Popovich spoke about it. Now, Popovich worked with Lloyd Pierce for the uh, Team USA last season, so he has a close relationship. He's saying it takes time. It takes time to build these cultures and to build like a trust. And so for me... I think this is this is just Travis Schlenk basically just saying, you know what, we're not doing very well. How can I uh, divert the attention away from me? Okay, I'll fire the coach. That mm-hmm. that that seems to be what happens in the past. I'm not going to trade any players yet. I mean, he's obviously not going to trade Trey Young. What's going on with John Collins? He drafted him. Is John Collins a part of the future or not? You know, sort that contract out. He should have done it in the off season. You know, with a young player showing the potential that Collins has. You sign him up anyway if you're not sure, knowing that you'll be able to trade him later on at some point. No contract's untradeable. Certainly not a young star player who is showing potential and improvement. So for me, this is a bad look for the Hawks. Not a good decision. And uh, Travis Schlenk and the front office deserve more criticism here. Okay, a lot to unpack there from Lee. What do you think, Trey? I think that Lee is right on a lot of this. I do think that this is... Certainly too early. This is basically the first season that Lloyd Pierce has had a real squad to be coaching up here, and it has not gone as anticipated. Unfortunately for Lloyd Pierce, he kind of put the target on his back last Mm -hmm. season before things had even shut down uh, with, uh, you know, the Rudy Gobert Jazz game. Even before that, uh, Lloyd Pierce was telling reporters that this is a playoff team. We're a playoff team. The guys in that room, last year's Hawks team, who will be back here, understand that. Next year, the progression is playoffs. He set that as the goal before any of these offseason moves had even happened, which certainly increased expectations here in Atlanta. They brought in all of these signings, uh, and they were widely heralded at the time. Remember, we talked about Bogdanovich as one of the best signings of the uh, the offseason. Same with Gallinari. It obviously has not transpired the way the Hawks were hoping, But I also don't necessarily know that they were as good as they should have been when everybody was playing. DeAndre Hunter had a really nice start to the season, but they were only 9-9 and when DeAndre Hunter was playing, which I think was a problem. All those fourth quarter leads, blowing those, that's a problem. Travis Schlenk needed a scapegoat, unfortunately for the Hawks, unfortunately for Lloyd Pierce. He kind of put the target on his back, dating back a year ago, almost to the day mm-hmm. at this point. I think it was March 3rd, 2020, when the stuff about making the playoffs this season came out. So, Travis Schlenk, the moves over the summer did not pay off over the offseason, whatever you want to call it. It didn't pay off, and unfortunately, they're saying that Lloyd's the guy that's got to pay the price for it. I would have liked to see him at least had a chance to finish out this season. Maybe you make a move in the offseason, but I don't know. With expectations... And crumbling underneath the weight of them, sometimes things happen too quickly. Yeah, I guess the kiss of death for a coach right now this season is, you know, don't be too good where you're in all these games and you just keep blowing it in the fourth (laughs) quarter. Because that's what happened with Ryan Saunders. We talked about it. The Wolves just kept blowing game after blowing game late. So they were obviously in games. They were there. They were talented enough to be close and then just would crumble. And the same thing was happening here to the Hawks, unfortunately, and Lloyd Pierce is axed. I think what you're saying is spot on, though, with uh, Travis Schlenk. This is nothing newly. Let's not pretend like Travis Schlenk is like just designed some like diabolical like sort of GM move here that you like divert attention by firing your coach. Happens all the time. Doesn't mean it's right, but it happens all the time. I think what's weird, and you guys are saying it, is... You know, Pierce comes in with playoff aspirations. Obviously, Hawks ownership was saying the same. I'm sure Schlenk was saying the same, or at least thinking it. And it's not like they are the Wolves. Like, the Wolves have no chance of making the playoffs. They did when they, they didn't when they fired Saunders, and they don't now. The Hawks are what? I don't have it in front of me. Like, 
three games out of a playoff, like, you know, play-in tournament or something like that, or maybe not even that much because it's so clogged, as we talked about, <laughs> in the Eastern Conference stands. They're right there. They're in it. So that's the only strange part. It's like, okay, the goal was to make the playoffs. We all agreed with that. You brought in all these vets, even though a lot of them have been injured. Some of them haven't performed up to their expectations. But you brought in all these guys with the one goal to surround Trey Young and, and John Collins, which is a weird situ- situation, but these young guys, the Hunter included, and to make the playoffs. Well, we're, the season's not over, last I checked, right? I mean, they had tons of time here to still go on a little win streak, and suddenly you're like the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. So that part is a little odd. Which leads me to my next question. Was there something going on here with Trey Young and Lloyd Pierce? Because this is, this is a little strange to me that, again, playoff aspirations, but we're halfway through, and you're right there. You're still in the mix. You are. What's like and it, it, like Trey Young didn't want to go to bat for him. Did they not see eye to eye? Were they clashing? I think that's a little. I think there's something there. I'm not trying to make anything up out of nothing, but this is a little strange to me, Lily. Yeah, well, I think there was something there last year. Remember, Trey Young apparently yeah. got into it with Lloyd Pierce after another loss and sort of said, you know, I need some help. And he said, don't worry, help is coming. And I think that's when they made the trade for Capella sort of soon after, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the, there had been sort of reports that uh, that Trey and Lloyd weren't on the same page and understandable from both perspectives Trey is a young guy he doesn't want to go through that sort of rebuilding and developing stage he wants to go out there and win straight away Lloyd Pierce knows that it takes a little bit more time and they had to build up uh, you know build up the team and they were trying to do that but um, again I just sort of think two and a half seasons in when this is your guys the GM to me not even halfway through this season where the team is still there within the playoff hunt just doesn't seem to make sense and and again Trey Young you know you you do want to appease your star player that happens all the time we saw what happened there with James Harden in the Rockets the reports you know the how how the Rockets bent over backwards him but Trey Young isn't at James Harden level yet he was an all-star last year he's a very very good player he's got a lot of potential but he still isn't quite you know, in that position where he can start calling the shots for a franchise. I don't think, you know, three seasons into his career that that would be something that the uh, ownership would take on board and say, well, look, our our star player is not really getting along with the coach. Let's fire him. He has to sort of prove a little bit more first in the league. So if that was true, and often we hear, you know, there's always tension between players and coaches at different times, fine. But you just need to give Lloyd a little bit more time. We heard he was a player development coach, you know, when he came over from Philadelphia, that he gets along great with guys. And I think, again, you can see it with DeAndre and Cam Reddish when they were playing. They were starting to improve. And Trey Young was an all-star starter last season. And I think he just sort of missed out this season because he had a good start to the season. He had that little rough patch in the middle and then the Hawks were losing. I think that cost him ultimately. But, uh, you know, in the big picture, I think Lloyd Pierce was moving things in the right direction, even though the record this season uh, wasn't going all that great. But, again, it takes time. These things take time. You need players out on the court. The Hawks obviously were missing some of those. And you need uh, better support from the front office, in my opinion, as far as surrounding uh, your players with better veterans. And, again, how anyone still gets fooled by Rajon Rondo's playoff performance to pay him <laughs> two years and $15 million. I'm not a big Rajon Rondo fan, and I think this is why. He's averaging four points and four assists a game. He doesn't even try when he's out there. He's there collecting a paycheck, and that's it. There's no evidence at all throughout Rondo's career he's ever helped to develop a backup point guard or a younger point guard on the team. He's there for himself, and he's there for his paycheck. And that falls on front office. They should have known that before the season, before they signed him. Well, he steps up in the playoffs, too, if you're ever there and he's on your team. Exactly. So, what, what you know, if they get to the playoffs, and again, I acknowledge that he has played well in the playoffs, but this is the problem with Rondo. There's, there's a reason he's called playoff Rondo. It's because he doesn't play in the regular season. He doesn't perform. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Hawks got him there. 
I guess, as a backup to Trey Young, but he certainly doesn't help as in develop Trey Young. He doesn't, he hasn't shown him, you know, uh, he hasn't led from the front and taught him how to be professional and things like that because Rondo has never done that. There's no evidence that he's done that with any point guard throughout his career. So I think that's just a bad move. Gallinari, again, three years and 60 million for him as an offensive only guy. He's had one highlight this season when he hit the 10 threes against the Celtics last week. That's it. That's all he's done. So, again, I think so much more of this falls on the uh, ownership for the team they've put around uh, Trey Young and for Lloyd Pierce to coach. DeAndre Hunter's absence, I know you slipped it in there. That can't be overstated because he, when he went down, the Hawks were a very respectable, like 10 and 9, and, you know, a plus 2.7 rating. He's out there. They're, I believe, a top six seed at that time. And then since he goes down in his last game, really it's the month of February we're looking at. You know, they go 4-11, and 11, minus 4.2 net rating. He is, you know, was turning into one of those players, not a superstar by any means, but one of those guys, and there's a handful of them or, maybe, you know, whatever, 10 to 15 of them in the league that just sort of like, they're just competent on both ends. And he was rounding into form offensively because we know he's a great defender or he just helps your team uh, win games and win possessions and stuff like that. So that was a blow. McMillan, though, coached about 1,200-plus games in this league. He's been a head NBA head coach for a lot of teams, obviously. Respectable, I think, 53%, basically, winning percentage. Doesn't fare as well in the playoffs, but uh, he's got a reputation, for sure, of keeping things simple uh, and, and generally gets teams to play hard on the defensive end. So that's the... We'll see if Nate McMillan can get something out of this squad, Trey, uh, and, and get them right back in a playoff race. I, and I don't, I don't think that's far-fetched to think. I think Nate McMillan is a fine regular season coach. And again, guys generally play hard for him and defend and and, and give it a go. He keeps it simple. Uh, make it simple, He keeps stupid. it simple. Yep, exactly right. right. And the team's going to play hard, and they're going to look like a standard basketball team. And once the Hawks brought Nate McMillan to sit on the bench with Lloyd Pierce, he had to know that the leash was a little bit short. Once you bring in another established coach, obviously McMillan had Lloyd's, Lloyd Pierce's back through the entirety of this. I know yep. they had to convince him to really take the job afterwards. But I think that's part of it, too. You To me... I said in the preseason, I said that this season's Hawks feels so much to me like last season's Bulls. You got a star guard, you've got these young guys you're assuming are going to grow, and then you add veterans that everybody likes who are not huge name veterans. You know, for the Bulls, it was Fad Young and Thomas Sadoransky, which seemed like great deals that they got, and they were really going to help Zach Levine, and that's been the case this season, but that was not the case last season. With the Hawks, it was Rondo and Bogdanovich and Gallinari, and we know how that's gone, like Leah's saying. It hasn't been incredible so far, but... The thing, it's just hard to go from a team that has losing habits to building winning habits overnight. It's so much pressure on a team. You see it in the fourth quarters. And yeah, the record with DeAndre Hunter was a lot better, but they probably should have had 12 wins. They probably should have had 13 wins in those games, but the turnovers were a problem. The late game execution, the timeouts, those were all a problem during the DeAndre Hunter times as well. So maybe the Hawks are thinking if we bring in a coach who has had some success, who has brought teams to the playoffs, that just ups our professional level a little bit more. That's exactly what happened with the Bulls. You know, I don't think Billy Donovan is the best coach in the NBA, but he's a lot better coach than Jim Boylan just because he's got the experience of it. Maybe getting them all on the right page helps. Certainly you get the new coach bump right away and having things uh, straightened out in time for a really busy second half of the season. All these teams are playing a ton of games and not that many days. I think you'd rather have your ducks in order heading into the all-star break than scrambling afterwards. Hmm. They're trying to save their season. They're trying to save a playoff appearance. We'll see if it actually happens. 
I'm not totally convinced. They need everybody to be on the same page here, and that's clearly not the case. Yeah, it just does suck, too. I mean, everybody likes Coach Lloyd Pierce. We had him on our show, Task, talked to him uh, back in the summer. Obviously, what he's done and what he's meant for the Atlanta community, um, it, it, pretty incredible. So it's you hate to see it, um, but here, Nate McMillan's going to slide over. And he had just left, right? Remember, Pierce had left, I think, uh, for the, the birth of his second child, and, mm-hmm. and McMillan had coached maybe one or two games there. I think three I think, games. I think was, it was it three? three. Yeah. Uh, I believe to, with some some success yeah. I know there was at least a victory or two in there and I wonder if that also like triggered something with Travis Schlenk and, and the Hawks management like oh okay maybe they're playing a little harder or he sees something that he likes getting from Nate instead of uh, Lloyd Pierce who knows we'll see if the Hawks can uh, turn it around all right next news here oh this is also sad according to the athletics Shams 13-year NBA vet Joakim Noah is effectively retiring from basketball uh, former defensive player of the year Plans to eventually retire as a Chicago Bull, uh, the team which which he spent like first nine seasons of his career with. So I think they're going to try and make this happen. It sounds like the Bulls uh, management and Noah. So Trey, I wanted to just ask, especially you, favorite Joakim Noah moment? Did, could you have just one, or is that impossible? That's impossible, Skeets. Joakim oh. Noah is no doubt my favorite Chicago Bull post 1998. So instead, I'm going to hit you with a top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Top five, top five, top five. Top five, top five. Oh, Joaquim Noah. What a Chicago legend. (laughs) Top five. Favorite Joaquim Noah moments. It starts with the very first Chicago Bulls Joaquim Noah moment. We're talking (laughs) draft night. 2007, the Bulls get the number nine pick. Used to belong to the Knicks. And Joaquim Noah shows up. First of all, with his hair down. You know, we usually saw him with his hair pulled back mm-hmm. uh, there at Florida. So that was a great look. He throws the hat on top. He's got the bow tie, the linen cream striped suit. If I'm not mistaken, Nathaniel Friedman at Free Darko. Uh, he said he looked like every Batman villain at once <laughs> during this draft. And I will never forget that. A legendary fit. Not a super well-received um draft pick by the Bulls. There was a lot of people who wanted Spencer Hawes. Myself, I wanted Noah. I was a big fan, you know, a little behind the scenes. Laura and I fell in love during the 2007 NCAA tournament, won by the University of Florida. I can remember watching uh, Joakim Noah playing uh, during that tournament out with out at the bars with our friends. You know, I think we watched the Final Four at her parents' house back in the day. Oh, so wow. when the Bulls picked him, I love it. I mean, I wore 13 all through high school. He was wearing my high school basketball number. He wore it for the Bulls. I decided back then, someday I'm going to have long Joaquim Noah hair and a ponytail. It only took another 12 years, but it was totally worth it. Number four, Joaquim Noah's Game 7 2013 first round performance against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, The Bulls at this point we're starting Nate Robinson and Marco Bellinelli in the backcourt. And Joakim Noah guaranteed a Game 7 playoff win <laughs> against the Nets. Despite playing with plantar fasciitis, Noah gave 41 minutes to the Bulls. 24 points, 14 rebounds, 6 blocks, 2 assists. Oh. The Bulls got the win. Oh, this was an incredible game. Uh, it came right after, or very soon after the Nate Rob game where he had 27 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, put the team on his back. That was that was some incredible stuff from Joakim Noah. A gutsy win. I think they went on to play the Heat in the second round and took game one off them, which is mm. where we come to my number three favorite Joakim Noah moment. It's several moments, unfortunately. <laughs> this one's just called trash talking because Noah 
was a legendary instigator. Uh, yeah. The pinnacle for me, Noah <laughs> clapping in Chris Bosh and Mario Chalmers' face at the free throw line. Yeah, buddy! Look at him. Yeah. Oh, this was so good. Um, Noah's beefs really started with Kevin Garnett back in the playoffs. Uh, I guess here's a here's a story from Ray Allen. He said, KG backed Noah down, turned around, pump fake, step side side, shot the ball from the baseline. Next time down the floor, Joakim Noah goes, big fella, that was a great move. How'd you do that? I want you to teach me that. KG was like, man, get off my dick. (laughs) (laughs) And that's awesome because Joakim Noah, his favorite player growing up was Kevin Garnett. He tried to model himself after Kevin Garnett. I mean, the games weren't the same, but certainly the intensity, uh, getting under the opponent's skin, that was all the same. So uh, to be beefing with Kevin Garnett probably felt terrible, but also awesome at the same time. Uh, this uh, The grudge with LeBron, legendary. Uh, who can forget his interview where he said, Cleveland really sucks. I don't know about this place, man. Said this on an interview with TNT. I just stayed in my hotel room. Every time I look out my windows, pretty depressing here, man. It's bad. It's bad. No going out in Cleveland. It's all factories. Oh, so good. Post game later in the series, somebody asked him about this. Noah said, you think Cleveland's cool? I've never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. What's so good about Cleveland? So good. Uh, there's obviously the picture of Noah getting the finger from the original courtside Karen there in yeah. Miami. Uh, this guy, you would hate him if he was not on your team, but he was on my team. I love him. Sure. The pinnacle, though, for joking Noah, as a basketball player, my number two moment, the 2013-14 season. Joking Noah won Defensive Player of the Year. He was first team All-NBA center. He finished fourth in MVP voting. Just a tremendous season. You know, Derrick Rose blew out his knee 10 games into the season. Luol Deng was traded in January. It was just year three for Jimmy Butler, but Noah would not let the Bulls lose. He was point Noah this season. 12 points, a whopping 12 points for Joakim Noah. 11 rebounds, but five assists, 1.2 steals, 1.5 blocks. He was the first center to lead his team in assists. Since Vladi Divac's. This is very weird to think that, you know, what, seven seasons ago, a center leading the team in assists was like a big deal. Or a big guy handling the ball was still a big deal in 2014. But Noah's 14 assists uh, uh, in a game were the most by a Bulls center and the most by a center in the NBA since 1986 at the time. Noah finished the month of March with 120 assists, the most by an NBA center since Wilt Chamberlain had 155 in March 1968. For one season only, Joakim Noah was the best passing big man in 30 years, 20 years, something like that. It was very weird, but he was the only way the Bulls were getting offense. I remember it was like, grab a rebound. He's bringing the ball up the court Mm -hmm. as fast as he can and trying to find somebody for an open shot. That was a fun season to watch. For Joakim Noah. That was also, what, our very first season uh, doing the starters. Starters, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember saying Derek Rose is back at the beginning of that yep. season. right. Uh, short-lived. But yeah. got us a great Noah season. An incredible yep. Noah season. Brings us to my number one moment. No surprise. Duncan Paul Pierce out of game six in the 2009 first round series against the Celtics. Noah gets the steal out on the wing. Pierce is trying to catch him, but he can't do it. Throw it down on top of his head. The crowd goes crazy. (sighs) This to me is the best moment in Bulls basketball since game six, 1998. Mm -hmm. Yes, not too long ago on the happy hour skeets. What top shot I would want from NBA history. I snapped and said game six, 1998. I should have said game six. 
2009 because I don't know. You had to be there, man. You had to be watching it with Graydon Gordian out at the bar back in the day. <laughs> Great stuff. You know, the Bulls went on to lose that series, but here we are 12 years later. Everybody still remembers that Bulls Celtics first round series. So many overtime games. And that was the best one to me. Three overtimes. Mm -hmm. You got Paul Pierce being dunked out of the game, falling out there. Joakim Noah. Oh, United Center going crazy. All of Chicago going crazy. We love that guy ever since then. Oh, what a list. Lee, is there anything to add to that? Well, um, I guess only only sort of personal memories. And uh, the first memory I have of him is when I actually came back to Toronto and I was in New York on my way through. And I went to a bar with my mate just uh, just arrived and a uh, college game was on and Florida was playing. And I saw this guy with a big hair and, uh, you know, real intense guy clapping and cheering. And I saw the back of his name and it said Noah. And I said to my friend, oh, I wonder if that guy's got any uh, connection to Yannick Noah. He goes, yeah, it's his son. I'm like, oh, really? Really? I said, is he any good? Uh, yeah, he's not too bad. He's not too bad. He's, he's like, he's a big energy guy in that, but he can't really shoot or anything. I was like, okay. And then a couple of seasons later when he got drafted, you thought he it, it's going to be tough to see what he can get out of his career because he just had such an ugly shot. But to turn that into what Trey just said there, like fourth in MVP voting, first team All-NBA, leading a team in assists, just shows that you don't have to be a great shooter to be a great offensive player. You can affect the game in other ways. Uh, and I thought that was, uh, that was really incredible about him. And when I was at the score, actually, I did a, I did a piece on him. And uh, I went down to Bulls practice and I wanted to speak to him. And I spoke to the PR guy and I said, oh, can I just speak to Joe, uh, Joe Kim Noah for a few minutes? And he thought I was going to ask him about basketball. And, and he must have had some tension with his coach or something at the time. I can't remember, but he was like, uh, no, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And the guy came back and said, no, he's not going to do it. And I said, just tell him, though, it's not about like current stuff. It's about his whole life and his career and everything. And he, and he came back and he said, okay, you can go and do it. So I went and spoke to him about like growing up, uh, you know, as the son of uh, Yannick Noah and then, mm -hmm. uh, and then turning into an NBA player and stuff. And he was so fun. He was so much fun to talk to because it wasn't just the usual like, you know, what do you have to do to win the game tonight, Joe? And, he, and, and <laughs> I've got a rebound, we've got a defam, we've got to run the ball. Like he was talking about uh, some other stuff and uh, it, was, it was so cool to speak to him like that. So yeah, great player uh, and really did. Get, for those three or four seasons there, an incredible player. Uh, had that had those peak years, and then it sort of did tail off a little bit, unfortunately. Uh, and I, I was excited for him last season when he got back to the Clippers uh, because I follow him on Instagram and he keeps himself ready. He keeps himself oh, yeah. in game you shape. Love that but, bot, uh, don't you? <laughs> unfortunately, I remember, I think it was even maybe the scrimmage game he came out and played, and uh, you could just tell he just, he just lost it. He just wasn't mm -hmm. able to really impact the game anymore. So... Sad end for him, but uh, an incredible few years there that he had. So, Trey, should the Bulls retire his number? Oh. I know that's tough. That's Man, tough. the dynasty changed the qualifications, unfortunately. If, uh, you know, they hadn't won six titles, able to hang MJ and Scottie Pippen up there. I would say for sure, because yeah. the Bulls history prior to and after that, Joakim Noah's right there. You know, who can yeah. forget the 2014 All-Star game? Joakim Noah played the entire fourth quarter. Wow. He was playing defense out there. It's <laughs> like Kyle Lowry out there, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Nobody wants to see defense in an All-Star game, but Joakim Noah will bring it. Ah, yeah, why not? Retire it. 13, 23, 33, perfect. Oh, do, you remember, yeah. do you remember when Yannick Noah was being interviewed in the stands? 
and 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 Joe blocked someone's shot. I can't remember who. And you see Yannick is like, no, 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 yeah, no, no. Yeah, like yeah. mid-interview, he was like straight into it, which was great. <laughs> okay, well, let's hear from the people out there. I mean, I'm asking the biased Bulls fan here whether or not they should retire Noah's jersey. I think you are right. I think many other organizations, I think it's a no-brainer, basically having played a decade and having you know a lot of success and individual success team success but yeah the bulls uh the bulls having all those titles and the iconic names already up there i mean i don't look i don't think it diminishes anything if you put them up there but i think more people will be like nah 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 not not noah but let us know and we'll get the poll going and all that i'm sure uh final one here that's great great stuff love that top five tk uh just a little news here tonight's pistons raptors game in tampa postponed uh, tentatively still rescheduled for Wednesday, uh, last I saw at least. Raptors dealing with COVID-19 related issues and their game Sunday against those Bulls. It was going to be the no dunks bowl uh, between Trey and I. That one uh, postponed because they couldn't field the required eight players due to the league's health and safety protocols. Uh, Raptors short on coaching staff, short on players. Uh, so we'll see if this one happens on Wednesday. They were one of the, ri- I know uh, I don't have the other teams uh, uh, like the listed here. But I know the Raptors were one of the rare teams that hadn't been affected lately by, you know, by yeah. COVID-19 related issues and, and having to miss games. I think it's maybe down to three teams now. So almost every team has been, you know, at some point in this year affected by it. And the Raptors are the latest. So anything to add to that? Not really. Yeah. Just a bit of a weird situation, though, that uh, they had. They probably shouldn't have played their last game, I don't think. Well, yes. That's what leaves a lot of people scratching their heads still with what <laughs> else going on. But anyway, the Raps are maybe playing Wednesday, maybe not. We'll, we'll find out. All right. We're going to get to uh, last night's big games, big takeaways from those games. But first, quick break to hear from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, last night's games. Touch on a few of them here. We'll start with James Harden. Another triple-double helps the Nets escape in overtime against the Spurs. Wild ending to regulation in this one, Lily, but they get it done. Harden and Kyrie, no KD, of course. What was your big takeaway? Uh, a lot of good games on last night, actually. A lot of, lot of good action. And uh, this was one that uh, when I look back at I thought, oh, the Spurs, you know, they'll be a tough out, but I think the Nets will win this. And the Nets were pretty much home with just about over a minute or, or about two minutes to go. And then the Spurs did go on a run. And it came down to that DeJounte Murray kind of fumble, <laughs> losing the ball. It just so kind weird. of flicked it at the rim. It went in, and it went into overtime. You thought, okay, maybe the Spurs are a chance now. They've fought back from a big deficit, but uh, in overtime was not the case at all. Very no. rare that you actually see the double digits loss uh, when a team goes in, when a game goes into overtime. That's what happened. The Nets actually just cooked them in uh, overtime. And James Harden, uh, he continues to be incredible for the Brooklyn Nets. And and we talked about last week whether or not he's at the MVP table. And, you know, it, it was kind of difficult to see him there. 
as long as Kevin Durant's out, I think uh, I think the waiter is going to get another chair and putting him there. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do think, unfortunately for him and his chances, when Kevin Durant comes back, I think they take a knock because I think you look at that team and think Kevin Durant is the MVP of that team. Uh, he's been incredible when he's been playing this season. But uh, I, I will give full credit to everything else that James Harden has done since coming to Brooklyn. Uh, mm-hmm. Really has turned his... He's, he's, he's rehabbed his image around already, I think, because he's playing the right way, being a real team player, hitting big shots still, and the team is now winning and looking much better. Kyrie Irving also came back last night. He wasn't there for their loss uh, to the Mavericks on the weekend. Uh, and obviously when they have those two guys out there, they're incredible. So um, it's yeah, pretty – still when you look at that Eastern Conference, the way the Bucks are playing better right now, I still think with the Nets at full strength, it, when they play the right way like this – can't see anyone beating them four times, especially, as I say, if Kevin Durant is back in that lineup. I just think they're too good. They've got too many weapons. You saw uh, Bruce Brown last night playing really well. Uh, they're getting contributions from everybody. So, uh, yeah, really, really good win, I guess, in the end for the Nets. I think maybe uh, was going to be a little more comfortable than it was in the end. Tyreek Butler, I saw a tweet this morning talking about Harden and his MVP case. If you compare what he's doing this season, Harden, to what he did in his MVP year in Houston, he's actually playing much better, has a higher field goal percentage, three-point percentage, true shooting percentage, assist percentage, offensive efficiency. He has more rebounds and assists, has a lower usage rate, and fewer (laughs) shots per game and turnovers. The numbers are incredible. I actually, because I was curious, because we keep talking about, yeah, like, yeah, which Brooklyn net is at the MVP table or any of them. Are all of them. Here's the breakdown. Durant played 19 games, Lee, and you're right. He was incredible when he was playing. 29 points per game, which felt like the easiest 29 you've ever yeah. seen. It didn't even feel like he was scoring that. Seven boards, five assists on shooting splits that were 52 from the floor, 43 from three, and 87 at the line. Okay, those are amazing. But then listen to these two guys. Harden, let's go to him. 22 games with Brooklyn, just Brooklyn. 25 points per game, nearly nine rebounds, over 11 assists, and his shooting splits are 49, 42, and 86. So very, very similar to KD. But then Kyrie, I think, is arguably almost underrated in all this conversation. In his 25 games, 27.5 points per game, 5 boards, 6 assists, 51 from the floor, 41 from 3, and 89 at the line. That is insane, Trey. I mean, that is very... I don't know how you cannot look at that and go, that's pretty Warriors-like, right? Like when the Warriors were doing some uh, iconic things with KD in the mix there with Steph and, and obviously Clay, And maybe it's even the next level, and that's no knock on, on, not on what Clay gives you defensively and all that, but just mm-hmm. pure offensive numbers. That is mind-boggling. Well, this is the best collection of offensive talent in NBA history. And I don't think there's really a question here because like you're saying, it's exactly like the Warriors if Klay Thompson had Kyrie Irving's handles and finishing ability at the rim because mm. Kyrie's still shooting the three like Klay Thompson does. Um, they're going to be impossible to stop, especially if DeAndre Jordan is playing as well as he has. I think he stepped his game up 13 boards last night. That's basically what they need from DeAndre Jordan. Yep. Catch some lobs and grab as many rebounds as you possibly can. And then, like you're saying, Lee, Bruce Brown has been quite the player for the Nets here this month. 23 last night. He looks like the latest in a long line of guys who have found success uh, just playing in a Mike D'Antoni slash (laughs) Steve Nash kind of system. Like, it's not dissimilar to me to if you were to combine Earl Clark and P.J. Tucker. There's a couple of random (laughs) D'Antoni successes from back in the day, but a smaller guy who's going to defend his ass off, which Bruce Brown has been doing, but he's also getting buckets in the lane, shooting... Close to, he was what, 70% last night. I don't know what he's up to at this point. Uh, He's almost at 60% for the season, but 
He looks like a guy that they said, here's a perfect role for you. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is roll to the hoop, finish, play defense, maybe make a three if you're in the corner. He yeah. has bought into that role, and it's working out for the Nets because if he's a player, if he's a guy they can rely on come uh, playoff time, they just got a little bit deeper. I don't think that depth has been a problem for the Nets this far, and that's with missing Kevin Durant. Incredible stuff. They keep winning on the road. The defense is looking okay. And yeah, they dominated that overtime period. They should have won it on that layup by Kyrie Irving. Cannot believe that yeah. didn't drop. Yeah. What a move on Pirtle. think he's still looking for Kyrie this morning, but he just missed it. Like He just yeah. missed it, and then we had the craziest play of all time. I can't believe that DeJounte Murray got that up in time. Also, I, I love yeah. Harden's defense. Guy just stood sideways, <laughs> facing the sideline, and somehow almost got a steal out of yeah. it. I don't know how it was happening, but impressive win by the Nets to respond in overtime. Because if you blow a chance like that, you give up a weird buzzer beater, it's easy to give it up uh, in the next five minutes, but mm-hmm. not so much last night. Yeah, if Murray is like one step back, they win that game. Probably hit the buzzer, right? Because it's a three. Because that was a long two, that one, mm-hmm. right? That weird uh, shot to tie it after the whole fumbling and bumbling and him getting up. But he was just inside the three-point line. But yep, good bounce back from the Nets there in overtime. Next game, Jokic dominates with 39 points as the Nuggets beat Trey Kirby's Bulls. 118-112. Man, did we call this line when we were talking about last night's pick em? Oh my, my god. Oh my god. We knocked that one out of the park. I was literally saying that's the exact line. Lee, you were trying to buy a point. Exactly. I said, just give me one more point. And uh, sure enough, we were right. Vegas was right, I guess, in the end. Uh, Bulls get, or excuse me, Nuggets get the six-point victory. We'll get to the pick em later. But uh, Trey, big takeaway from this one is it the big guy in Jokic and just yes. dominant down the stretch yeah okay. I mean the Bulls are back but they are not big and that was a problem against Jokic you know Wendell Carter Jr. looks to be like a solid defender probably has a future as a very good defender in the league according to the listings he gives up 15 pounds to Nikola Jokic I think it's more like 50 <laughs> there is no way that Wendell could handle Jokic down low or you know anytime he would drive the ball they tried Luke Cornett on Jokic (laughs) nope Fab Young tried he was the best no doubt about it he gives up 50 pounds by the listings for sure and four inches for sure at one point Stacey King called Nikola Jokic Gulliver's travels in the land of Lilliputians and that's exactly what it was anytime uh, the Nuggets needed a bucket. They were just able to get the ball into Jokic or he was able to bring the ball up the court, work his way to a place where he's able to make a play. He ended up with, what, 17 points in the fourth quarter, yeah. and it was just a case of this is the biggest, baddest dude out there. There's nothing the Bulls could do to stop him. He had a clutch dunk with two minutes left, put the nut, uh, put the Nuggets into the lead. He iced it a minute later with a jumper. This was an MVP performance from Jokic, the way he was playing offensively, and he was really good defensively as well, literally just being big, just using his the length of his arms, the, the his height, and his know-how to, to really affect things in the lane for the Bulls. The Nuggets dominated in the paint, and it's because of Jokic. Impressive, impressive stuff. I also loved Jamal Murray. I think the Nuggets were up one. Oh. Denver fast break. <laughs> Murray has a layup. Ridiculous. And he's like, nope, I'm going to pull up like I've been just watching uh, Love and Basketball and uh, take the three-point shot on the fast break and, and splash it. I had some confidence in that one, Lee. That was obviously huge for the victory, yeah. but wow. He misses that. And you're, uh, uh, you're, you're you're scratching your head, but yeah, he's, he's he does exactly. Care. If he misses that and they go down and score and the Bulls are on to win, that is exactly the shot at that point of the game that Mike Malone could say, that's a bad shot. Because sure. honestly, in that fourth quarter, 
they didn't really have anything else going the Nuggets other than just like go to Jokic and it's like miss one and then he does miss one and it's like he can't no one can get the rebound he just has that little tip in that put back and and uh it was incredible performance uh by him because no matter who they threw and i think they should have stuck uh thaddeus young on him a lot more because physically he can just at least body him a little better than wendell carter wendell carter's got the length but uh thaddeus uh young and then on the offensive end thaddeus young actually he was doing quite well for the bulls as well keeping them scoring but uh yeah Jokic, this was a performance and michael Lone talked about after the game saying uh you know, he's never talked about as a guy you want to build around or start your franchise around. I think that's interesting. Yeah. I think he's not wrong either. Yeah, His I name agree. is not thrown out there a lot when we have those fun conversations. Because, it's Luca, it's Giannis, yeah. it's, uh, you know, maybe even Zion is getting in there and stuff like that. I mean, LeBron is obviously up there yeah. in age, but you'd still want him on your team if you're building the franchise to win a title like this year. But he, Jokic's name is not thrown around all that often no. in that conversation, despite being only 26. Yeah, Because I also think the way that he did play in that fourth quarter is not his ideal or preferred way. He doesn't want to be the scorer on every possession. He likes it when other guys get involved, but no one else really had a go. Michael Porter started off well, and uh, Will Barton had some shots going. But Jamal Murray, again, wasn't you know super prior to that hitting that big three. He hit two threes late there and then the free throws. But it, to me, it's almost like if you're the Bulls, you're like, okay, if it's only Jokic scoring, we can maybe ride that out. But he just didn't miss. He just didn't mm-hmm. stop scoring. And that was the problem. Well, they talk about it on the broadcast. I know Stacey King brought it up too because I was watching that, Trey. And it was like, you just can't speed him up. You yeah. can't get him uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the most true, like it's such a true statement. Like it's like yeah. impossible to like make him really feel all that uncomfortable, no matter because of his passing abilities, because of obviously his, his size. Uh, I liked him moving off the ball a couple times. A couple of those dunks happened because of that. Like, you know, coming off of like a pick and Jokic like a freight train coming down and getting it there on the fly. And he's just like so coordinated despite looking like he'd be the opposite of that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what you do with him. That <laughs> guy's what do you do with him? Honestly. Like the scouting report for me would be like, be careful when he goes to those little like uh, dinkers and dumpers, because if he misses, he's always there. So box out, keep him low, keep your body there. But his arms arms just seem to sort of poke through and just tip Mm -hmm. it up before the other guys even get a chance to to sort of get their hands on the ball. It must be frustrating as hell sometimes playing against him like that, because, uh, yeah, he sometimes spins in the lane. You know, sometimes he just stands there and like nothing's moving. So he's like, I'm just going to shoot it then. Like he, he, you just don't know what he's going to do from one play to the next. But uh, he, he was incredible. That was a real, I'm the best player. I'm dragging my team to a mm-hmm. victory game mm-hmm. last night. Yep. I like that they do. I know Murray didn't have a great game, but when it gets into clutch time, it's like you can run a great two-man game with those two guys, right? I mean, they just are so in sync and just his a passive. They're both they're great passers, to be honest. Like Jamal Murray is not on Jokic's level, but he's not mm-hmm. bad. He'll find you with the bounce pass if you're cutting in the lane and there's a small hole. Uh, yeah, they can just go to that. And it's like, man, good luck trying to figure them out. Great game from Jokic. Uh, Bulls put up a fight. That was a great one. I, I also love Stacey King on the call yeah, so amazing, much. This one, I man. love it. Yeah, I think maybe because the team is like it's uh, much more fun to watch that he can uh, yeah drop the, the zingers and the lines uh, a little bit more frequently I don't know maybe I wasn't also watching a ton of Bulls games with Stacey King on the call when they weren't winning a bunch last year I'm sure you were watching a lot more but I I love that broadcast it's, it's one of my top five new play-by-play guy as well Adam oh, right. I yeah. think is a huge part yeah. of it because Neil Funk was the guy there yeah. uh, for quite some time and there's you know uh, an age difference between Neil Funk and Stacey King yeah. but not so much with Adam Amin and Stacey King these guys are having a great time I think they're even better um, on road games where they're you know just broadcasting from their home 
uh, because Stacy Stacy can go a little wild when he's broadcasting <laughs> from home. I love it, and uh, you know he's always good for a nationwide is on your side. It's got a funny voice too. I like it. Yeah, it's great. All right, next game here. Uh, Zion Williamson pushes the Pelicans past the NBA leading Jazz, one twenty nine to one twenty four. Yeah, Pelicans putting up one twenty nine on the Jazz. Uh, first things first with this game, we got ourselves another wedgie. You can go ahead and roll that, JD. It's Brandon Ingram from the side sticks. Oh yeah, very nice wedgie, wedgie number twenty seven. And this was late in that game, so uh, great work, Ingram, in the victory too. Oh, love it. Nice. So uh, beautiful, wedgietracker.com says we are on pace for an incredible 62. Oh. We are we are back up over 60 our pace and now at 62. I don't know what the highest it's been, but I bet we're flirting with it mm. right there. 27 and we haven't even hit the All-Star break. Man, I would ooh. How many you want to get greedy Lee? How many more we want before the All-Star break? One? Just one, I guess. Yeah, just one. That's fine. Okay. We got we got a lot of games, so yeah, we should squeeze one in. Okay, but we want get... a good call. We want a good call. That's what we want. We want the Yeah, they, they look, I, I, at least on the Pelicans broadcast, they dropped Wedgie. They said Wedgie. You know, that, that was it, but that's fine. That's a, it's at least we're looking for. Just note it and uh and then move on. Especially late in the it. game. Uh this one for the game itself, the Jazz took 43 threes to the Pelicans 11. Just, just incredible the Pelicans won this game. Now, Pelicans hit, I think, 7 of 11. Uh, Jazz maybe something like 17 for 43. So better per- percentage there for the Pelicans, but wild disparity there. Zion, though, pretty special there, especially in the third quarter. He had 26, 10, and 5. Um, you know, I thought some of his assists in this one were awesome. He had that beauty assist where he was, like, falling uh, as he drove baseline, and then he sort of, like, there was a bunch of bodies there, mm-hmm. and as he's falling, he, like, zipped or like sort of swung around like a left-handed pass to Redick in the corner who knocked it down and then he had a really nice bounce pass I think it was to Willie Hernan Gomez um you know where he's barreling through the lane defense sort of comes at him and he just like a little bounce pass right there in the dunker spot to uh Willie so nice stuff from him Trey uh, we had it sort of going back and forth on Twitter last night I've been thinking about what you've been saying like this whole idea of like when will Zion or will Zion ever leave lead the league in scoring um and I think it's a fun like thought process like just, is it just a matter of time? I mean, the guy's only played, you know, not even full season's worth, and he's putting up, what? what's he at now, 25, 26? He's mm-hmm. got to be something right there. But then I'm, like, just thinking about it. I was like, can you lead the league in scoring, Lily, if you don't have, like, sort of any three-point shot? And that's not to say, like Trey said, like, well, hold on. He's can add a three-point shot. We know he can hit threes. Totally fair enough. But will one be able to do it? Just in today's game, you have all these yeah. guards just shoot so many threes. It's like very, very difficult. You know, Giannis has not led the league in scoring, and B has not done it. But they've been close, so it's not like, you know, he couldn't. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like, can you yeah. do it in today's game? Let's say if Zion only gets up to hitting one per game, is that still possible? I don't know. Yeah, I think I so. Mean, I, I think obviously it's the free throws. If he can pat it out there at the yeah, free throw lines and get ten a game, then I think so. Because there's no doubt that he'll be able to get the. Uh, you know the the inside in the lane and score and get the high percentage looks. Just looking through NBA history, like Shaq is the uh, is the only big man I can see of, of you know recent history that didn't have a three point shot. Although Russell Westbrook, I uh, can't remember, but I mean I guess he, he wasn't, probably he still probably made hitting. a lot. Yeah. I mean Allen Iverson, I wouldn't say was a three point shooter. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, he led the league in scoring at least three times there. Even Dwayne Wade didn't really have a three point shot. So uh, again, this is still 10, 15, 20 years ago when the game was was yeah, different to the way it is so now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think if Zion can get up to thirty two points, thirty three a game, I think he can lead the league in scoring mm-hmm. for for that. And and again, I think if you if you make uh, you know eight to nine 
field goals a game and then 10 free throws, you, you're sort of you're close at that point. So mm-hmm. if he can uh, get that three-point shot going, and we can see him, he's... He shoots it okay. He shoots it okay. Oh, Surprising yeah. no, when no. he hit that game, his first game, when he hit four. And it's like, like what? What happened then? You know, he was four for four at one stage. But uh, I, I like the fact that he's, you know, playing to his strengths right now. And you saw it last night. There was a big highlight against Rudy Gobert where he just went in oh and just God. barreled him out Rudy went flying. Yeah. And Rudy was like, he's elbowing me. It's like, he's not. He's just like, <laughs> he sort of just takes off and just jumps forward. And it's like, whatever's in his way is in his way, but it's not going to stop him. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, at some point, you know, it's it's risky of sort of when he's clattering into bodies like that that you hope he doesn't get injured. But uh, he seems to be just like because he's got good handles too. He can put that ball on the floor, which I like. Mm-hmm. He does that, and then he goes up, and it's like, wow, he's yeah, this is good. He doesn't need to be, you know, he doesn't need to have the sort of uh, floaty game or the, um or or a, a long jump shot yet because he can score so convincingly inside. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ball had a nice game too. I think that's always big for the Pelicans. You know, Ingram and Zion, fairly consistent with getting theirs. But uh, that backcourt, it's like if they're on that night, especially Lonzo Ball, then I really like the Pelicans' chances to win the game. He had 23, Lonzo did, 8 assists, 7 boards, 2 blocks. So that was good. The Jazz got back in this one, Trey. I don't know if you caught it down the stretch. I mean, they had a crazy chance to tie it with like 30 seconds to go. Um, But the final play, I mean, it went nowhere. I thought it was well defended by the Pelicans. Like, really, just take away the three, take away the three. And then it ended with, like, Conley forcing, like, a really gross, like, leaning, like, double clutch three. He just had nothing. He wasn't open at all. And it missed badly. And the Pelicans held on. This is a good victory for them. Yeah, great win for the Pelicans. Definitely tough to beat a team when they make 10 more threes than you do. That's right. very hard to do, especially a good team like the Jazz. I mean, maybe it could happen against, you know, some... Terrible team who just happens to get hot, but the Jazz are the one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, one of the best teams in the league with one of the best defenses. So yeah, the really, really great win for the Pelicans. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super bullish on Zion, man. I think this guy's yeah. gonna be incredible. He hasn't had a regular offseason yet. He was injured yeah. coming into his rookie season. Obviously, we know what happened last year. A short offseason, it was delayed, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Just give him a chance to actually work on a three-point shot, work on his handles. Like you're saying, Lee, his handles are fine. I don't think they're that tight yet. I mean, like, think about how much better he's going to get. He's dominating Rudy Gobert in the paint, right? Like, he's got the softest touch. He's got the quickest first jump in the league. He's got incredible hands, and he's able to just bulk the best rim protector in the league out of the way like he's not even there. Mm -hmm. That's incredible stuff. He's like Shaq in Barkley's body. We'll see how that progresses as he goes on. You're right. Maybe he never gets the three-pointer. That would hurt uh, the a scoring chance, but I don't know. I almost feel like he could get 20 field goals a game in the lane mm. at this point. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, like we, got, we had our fun SGA, will he ever be an all-star bet over multiple years. Like, where would you set it? Will Zion lead the league in scoring? Like, uh, in the next three seasons, two seasons? I think it's that'd be a fun he- bet, too. LeBron led the league in scoring at what, 23, I think? I think that's right. Durant was only 21, I think, wasn't he? Okay. Oh, hmm. boy. Yeah, that would be a tough one. I don't, know <laughs> if, I don't know about next year. Yeah, not next year. I think what? in the next three years, maybe you could talk me into that. Yeah, I mean, again, it depends Durant. a little bit to me on adding a three-point shot. And I'm just saying, like, like Giannis hits, what, one a game, one to one and a half a game, same with Embiid, and these guys still aren't even leading the league in scoring. That's what I guess my point was there. But I am i don't doubt that he could add it and hit one a game at least. And maybe you're right. Maybe he doesn't even need to, uh, which is how talented he is at getting inside and finishing inside, and if he gets to the line, it knocks him down. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's think on that one. We could have another little second. Yeah, Kevin Durant, right. Kevin Durant was 21 and 197 days Jesus. when he led the league in scoring. Jeez. He's pretty good, man. Yeah. He's Kevin, Durant. Kevin Durant is underrated at this point. <laughs> Probably true. Um, I think he averaged 30 a game that season too, I, I think. Let me uh, see if I can dig okay. that one out. All right. Uh, while you're doing that, other games uh, from last night, just quickly, Luca. there's a young talent in this league. He scores 33 to lead the Mavericks past the Magic, uh, 130 to 124. Firk and Shake coming off the bench sparked the Sixers to a big win over the Pacers. Cavs got the 101-90 win over Houston. That's the Rockets' 12th straight loss. Christian Wood for MVP. You heard it here first. And uh, Carmelo. Wins the Battle of the Mellows. Uh, Tass talked about it on what you need to know this morning. Blazer down the Hornets, 123-111. Good game from uh, Carmelo. And then after the game, he uh, he said it was okay for LaMelo <laughs> to be sort of ref- referred to as Mellow and also really to do the you know the three to the head, three to the dome. So, Trey, anything there from any of those games you wanted to touch on? I love it. I love Mellow versus Mellow. That was a lot of fun. It was um, it was a hard choice, man. You turn on the broadcast, it's like, do I want to hear Eric Collins yelling about the Hornets or do I want to hear my guy Lamar Hurd talking right. to Reggie's? So I was switching between every play, you know, and the Hornets would have the ball. I'm watching their broadcast. <laughs> JK, JK. Nonetheless, Mellow versus Mellow. They both got House of Highlight clips. That's huge. Yep. 30 points, six rebounds, eight assists, and four steals for LaMelo. 29 points, three rebounds, two assists, and five steals for Carmelo Anthony. (laughs) Excuse me? Five steals. Mr. Downward Swiper. I love it. Huge fourth, though, for the car man. 17 points, and he really gave the Blazers the lead, the boost. I like seeing uh, Carmelo and LaMelo. They dapped up pregame. Afterwards, they traded jerseys. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, Skeets, like Tass said on what you need to know, Carmelo blessed LaMelo with the three-point celebration. <laughs> a real passing of the mellow torch. They're just both mellow now. We just got to deal with it. Yeah. Lee, you're giggling like a little schoolgirl. Uh, you're loving this. Yeah, I felt the photo of them holding jerseys. Carmelo didn't, you know, I mean, it's just the photo itself. But he just kind of was like, yeah, I kind of have to do this. You know, I have to play the good guy. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great just to pass on these things through uh, throughout the league. But, I mean, even if Carmelo said, you know, what's he going to say? I don't want you to do that. You're not allowed to call yourself mellow. It's like, uh, sorry, you can do whatever you want. Right. You are a grown man after all. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> it is your name. Yeah. Uh, it was great. I do like the photo. I'm glad they did that. I don't yeah. care. I mean, uh, Tass also pointing out, you know, Mello's done this before. The original Mello, holding it a little higher. Mello's going a little too low. You got to get that jersey up there. Uh, but it looks good. Those are also two great jerseys, in my opinion, too. The, mm. the Hornets and the Blazers there. Also, I said this last night. I tweeted it. This one, the Blazers at home wearing white. Okay, man, so many of these road teams are wearing white on the road. And it's like always confuses me. I don't know. I'm an idiot. But it just like takes me like a couple seconds, couple possessions to always be like, oh, yeah, hold on. Who is that? Oh, that wasn't the Bulls. That was the Nuggets wearing white on the road. I mean, there was like four games last night where the road team was wearing white. I, am I I'm just an old man yelling at clouds here with this? I just don't. I don't care. I get it. It's fine. I, they want these teams to wear like their colorful jerseys and their new jerseys at home in front of their fans. I get it, but it. I don't know. The tradition traditionalists in me, like my VSPs, a traditional um, VSPologist. Yeah, yeah. It just it it just gets me every time. It takes me too long to figure out. Oh yeah, they're not the home team, even though they're wearing white, Come which on, is what man. the home team's supposed to do. It's like what year four of this? I know. Of, it just gets me. Teams every time. wearing white at home. Teams wear white at home in the NFL as well. I do think it's confusing when you see. For me, 
the the only time I actually agreed with you on this was seeing the tweets about the Nets winning in San Antonio for the first time in nearly 20 years because the Nets jerseys are very similar to what the Spurs used to wear at home in the early 2000s. So that was weird seeing the pictures next to each other. But in general, you know, I'm pretty good at keeping the teams uh, separate. You know, I'm pretty familiar with the players and their looks out there on the court. So I can I can usually keep track. Well, I think it's not helped because when the one team is wearing white, the uh, the broadcast doesn't know what to do with the ticker like the score bug you know what i mean in terms of colors true so you just then get a lot of like sometimes it'll just be blue and blue for both teams like the Ma- okay the mavericks magic game was a perfect example of that the mavericks were wearing white even though it was in orlando and the ticker was showing both blue basically the same blue and it was like it's not helping anything here i don't know all right again i'm an old man i just can't keep track of my colors here is white, white's <laughs> not even a color is it no i guess not uh all right anything lee any of those games uh you wanted to add or just a no not really not really i mean luca was uh okay. luca was gorgeous last night had a couple of really sexy highlights so mm. uh are you not all. gonna have those in the very solid play i hope Jeez. Well, it's a very solid plays of the week it's oh, yeah, not well, the very sexy plays of the week well, is it well look at you t- tell yourself that uh, to the mirror man <laughs> not me <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you're all rattled up today man you're the old man i'm not temper boy at all today i'm feeling It's NBA playoffs time, and that means NBA snack time. I can't stop eating while I'm watching. So many options in my house that I gotta cut out a bit. I gotta switch it up, but I know I'm not giving up. Sunflower seeds, sure, but maybe something that's not a food for that oral fixation, perhaps? Good thought. Here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Its taste is surprising. All natural stuff. It's fun to fidget with, and it's a good weight. The wood feels good, and it feels cool to use. Start the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash dunks and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners to the show 10% off when they use our code dunks to help make starting the good habit that much easier. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, uh, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet of uh. Tweet of the Night honors. Yes, I have Tweet of the Night. And uh, Tweet of the Night is actually, it's it's an ad that popped up on my feed early this morning. Okay. Uh, and it's from um, our friends, my friend uh, at Oreo, co- the cookie company. Okay. okay? So, uh, and it reminded me of, uh, made me think of this show in a couple of ways. First, it was, it was announcing the... The drop, the latest drop of Lady Gaga Oreos. I guess these are a ridiculous, uh, uh, a ridiculously popular cookie that they've ran out of. People were trying to find them, and then they just dropped them. Right. Okay. Secondly, and and it made me think of us because Lee is our, the biggest uh, Lady Gaga fan I know. So uh, congratulations to you. Um, <laughs> secondly, I thought of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought of the uh, my, my Top Shot Hot Boys right away when I saw it pop up because look at this. Oh, my oh God. wow. <laughs> what? Uh, hold on. You got, a, you got an MGLE in that? <laughs> wow. I mean, it's pretty close, right? It's not just me. Oh, my God. It's very similar. Yeah, so uh, I thought. I'd love to pull a disco stick out of there. Right? <laughs> I thought, whoa, Lady Gaga's getting into the Top Shot game. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Wow. And then anyways, and then thirdly and lastly, I realized, was, this is kind of a bummer, but I realized that no dunks would probably never have a signature Oreo simply because we're called no dunks. No dunks mm. yeah. oh. Right? Ouch. Yeah. Which brings me to the question, what would our signature cookie be if not Oreo? Oh, oh. You know, uh, what I mean? you know what I mean? I thought like, you were going to say what flavor of Oreo would be like uncooked carrots mm, or beans or something. Like yeah, that. but I think you got to disqualify <laughs> yeah, Oreo okay. right away because, I mean, I don't dunk my Oreos at all, but yeah. uh, I don't even pull them apart. I just eat them like an animal. Like it's, Yeah, same here. Like, yeah. like yeah. normal is what you Exactly, mean, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. You you let the, the wafer and the cream work together mm-hmm. as, as mm-hmm. intended. Yeah, um, 100% agree. So anyway, for me... We have a sort of a, we have the best basketball podcast, right? And we have sure. a weird, weird name for that, which is sure. no dunks, right? So mm-hmm. our signature cookie in my mind should be a weird name, chocolate digestive, but it's by far <laughs> the best cookie wow. ever <laughs> invented. That's ours, is it? For me, uh, I don't know. Okay. What, what do you guys think? Well, what's the uh, classic Aussie there, Lily? Uh, the Tim, Tim Tam. Tam. Tim yeah. Tam oh, is good. yeah. That's a good Those one. Those are also delicious. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, okay. I, I don't know. You got a cookie in mind there, TK? I mean, I am a, I'm an Oreo fan. I do love them. <laughs> and, yeah. But I do dunk them. I, I mean, right. it's sounding like maybe there could be a whole nother campaign that we're part of because, mm. in general, Oreos is telling you to dunk. Maybe we yeah. are the people who say, look, even if you don't like dunking an Oreo, you can still enjoy it. Let the wafer and the cream work mm. together. It's that yeah. simple. The one-two punch. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, hit us up. Let us hit know. Hit us up. <laughs> also, <laughs> it, it's a, it's, it's a, seeing that Lady Gaga and thinking it was a top shot, I was like, wow, that's like, that's next, right? Like, yeah. Oh, 100%. 
like music, you mean like you're concert. gonna be able to get oh yeah yeah yes. like concert moments you know Eddie Vedder climbing the scaffolding or whatever oh, like that kind of thing <laughs> Elton John on his fourth farewell tour <laughs> playing Atlanta series four that's right <laughs> yeah no I think so I think uh I think Dr. Seuss is obviously is obviously is in the mix too uh, really what yeah have you heard that Trey that, yeah that, that's yeah, right that uh there's, There's Street some... Fighter collectibles. I know yeah. Sean Mendez has a collectible that's out. Uh, wow. He's a, a musician. So yeah. you're totally right, JD. That's what's coming. Hmm. So if anything's going to get Lee into the NFTs, it's going to be a Robbie Williams uh, <laughs> moment <laughs> that he can rip. Oh, yeah. 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 What would you like? What what Robbie Williams moment would you like, Lee? Well, from Nebworth, where he uh, abso- or not abseils, but he's like hanging down upside down as he comes onto stage. I think that'd be there an awesome go. moment. Yeah, All right. arms out like that, like just great. Okay. Wait, just- how did he? Okay. He came down upside down? Yeah, he came down upside down. And then I guess, you know, because I, I, I was pretty far back, I'll say that, from the stage. Uh, That's where you like to sit. Yeah, no, it was great. It was it was 125,000 people. You don't want to be up the front there. I mean, what no, you want to get out quick. Yeah, yeah. far away. Um, but I guess he just came down and the people just came and, you know, <laughs> that clumsy, chaotic sort of like, oh, get, okay, him that's, get him that's, out, you know. <laughs> that's what I, I was going to say a moment I would like to see if you could go to Lee's uh, single camera, JD, and maybe, Lee, you could uh, hit us with those paws again. This is a Lady Gaga moment. <laughs> I can't remember how she does it. Sort of like that, you know, paws up. <laughs> there we go. That's a top shot moment I will buy when I can pop my Lady Gaga packs. Oh, yeah, what is it? I don't know. I don't, she doesn't really do that stuff anymore. Well, she's doing air quotes, leading yeah. Gaga. Is my yeah. real name. Maybe that's it. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Okay, uh, good stuff. Fun tweet. Uh, picking results from last night. We talked about it there briefly. It was the Nuggets-Bulls game. Uh, Denver was favored by five and a half, meaning they had to win by six. And we said when we were picking this game on yesterday's <laughs> show, man, that's just like gonna be exactly where it lands. Like it's gonna be five, six, or seven. I think you can quote me on that. And then Lee was trying to buy a point because he was taking the Bulls. Man, it would have came in handy because the Bulls won by six. Victory for Tass and I to start off our brand new month of March. Trey will be paying off February's pick'em. Don't you worry. So I'm one to know. Tass is one to know. And you guys had the Bulls, and uh, you know came down to free throws. Really, if Jamal mm-hmm. misses one of those free throws, uh, you guys. I wish win. they'd fouled PJ Dozier instead yeah. of Jamal Murray. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chances would have been better to get that victory but uh, you guys are 0-1 tonight's game well let's see if the uh, new head coaching bump is real Nate McMillan coaching the Hawks Ka-ka! in Atlanta Miami favored by just I say just three and a half points so uh, let you guys go first Lee Miami favored by three and a half uh, hosting the Hawks who do you yeah. like yeah that's the thing will, will Nate McMillan order, automatically come in and give this team a boost but he's already kind of done it by having those uh, those <laughs> right. couple of games not sure if Jimmy Butler's playing uh, I think though the Heat can win by four points I'll take Miami okay Trey Heat have been playing pretty well but I love a new coach bump skeets give me the Hawks ooh yeah ooh. Hmm. I'm gonna go the Heat because uh, they are on the run. I don't like picking against a team that's playing uh, playing really, really well. But that who coach bump, it does scare me. I'll go with Lee, though. Miami to win by four or more. Let's find out who Tass has. Give me the Hawks to play with a little bit of pride, especially considering it's the second game of a doubleheader with the Heat. They've got to fight back, right? 
<laughs> ask a question like that. Just I love still it. waiting for the answer. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, so, okay. Tass and uh, Trey have the Hawks to keep it close enough, and Lee and I have Miami to win by four or more. Good luck to everybody. That's it for today's show. Another fun one. Thank you so much for joining us live. Shout out to the stream team once again. Email us your questions for tomorrow's Beach Stepping Podcast. Yeah, we're hitting the beach tomorrow. So email your questions in, no dunks at theathletic.com. You still got a little bit of time. Please continue to like and comment and subscribe to your No Dunks boys on YouTube. Grab your No Dunks merch at nodunks.com. And if you haven't done so already, get yourself an athletic subscription for just $3.99 a month. Go to theathletic.com. Slash no dunks. JD, you didn't, you didn't uh, drop a mellow on us today. Do you, do you not have it in the hopper? I don't. I don't. Oh, I don't, I don't have God. it. I was looking for it, and then um, and I was like, eh, who cares? All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. It's my least favorite drop. It's yeah. by far my least favorite. <laughs> You're so wrong with that one. Uh, how about this one? Clipper Bros. Oh. I was looking for the mellow. And, uh, I'm not you said you didn't have it. I, well, I was just double checking. Oh, okay. I don't All have right. it. I officially don't have it. Okay, Clever Bros. Then it. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we've got another 20 years of the mellow drop ahead of us. <laughs> 20 years. Hey, everybody. Pause up. <laughs> Lee, pause up. Brace the day, people. You could stay, ooh, every day. And I'd be happy every minute. It's been so long, but you're the one I've waited for. It's happened already. It's gonna be groovy. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.